This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Barnum Mechanical, a full-service design build firm specializing in turnkey process and utility systems for the brewing industry. You know beer. We know breweries. Is it safe to assume that what might work in a hospital to sanitize, uh, you know, an operating room, was that equally effective at sanitizing my, my cellar? And through these experiments, I confirmed that, no, I don't believe that is a safe assumption. So I, I think we as an industry have a lot to learn. This week on the show, more great experiments from Bell's Brewery. This time, we're looking at the efficacy of common brewery sanitizers. Hi, my name is Elliot Parcells, and I'm with Bell's Brewery. Hi, I'm Josh Pullman. I'm with Bell's Brewery. What prompted you guys to run experiments on your sanitizers? Well, it just happened that uh, shortly after I took the job as a shift brewer, we were making a change to our uh, spray bottles out in the cellar. We had been using ethanol for the longest time, and uh, we had just made a switch to iodophore in spray bottles, and that was based on some uh, reading we had done on the web. And uh, it didn't really sit right for a couple of reasons. I, I've used alcohol in the past and kind of believed in it. And then I recalled from John Palmer's homebrewing book that, um, like, a two, I remember him citing a two minute contact time for iodophore. And so I wasn't sure if that made it an appropriate spray, you know? Okay. And, um, so we but we made the change and started doing it and it just kind of prompted me to go home and start reading and kind of investigate what's known about these two things and uh, kind of went down the rabbit hole in the literature and uh, came up, uh, you know, not really sure um, whether what I was doing out in the cellar was working. And, um, yeah, I had a friend, Elliot, in the lab here who was um, interested in what I was complaining about and telling him what I was learning. And uh, yeah, one thing led to another, and we found ourselves involved in some experiments that taught us uh, a lot. That's great. It's always good to keep challenging, you know, what you think you know. So uh, why don't you start off by telling us, you know, which sanitizers do you guys use at Bell's and why? So we use a variety of sanitizers at Bell's for uh, different purposes. Um, you know, looking at uh, for something that's quick, you know, a very quick contact time, we like to use ethanol. Um, uh, we found that most alcohols behave the same way. Um, we use, still use iodophore, um, for, uh, you know, parts buckets and, um, we'll spin our rack rigs with it. Yeah. And uh, parasitic acid as well yeah. for tanks and, um, some rack rigs as well. Yeah. And for this study, you primarily looked at ethanol versus iodophore. Uh, how about walking us through sort of the pros and cons of, of each of those? Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Ethanol, um, rapidly bactericidal, um, 
you know, the mechanism of it working is pretty well known. It just denatures proteins and penetrates cells very quickly. Um, there are a couple cons to it. Uh, one is it evaporates very quickly, especially in high concentrations. Um, if it's too concentrated, it, you know, if it's 100% ethanol, it's actually been cited to be not as effective. Um, it also has no sporicidal properties. Um, as far as iodophore goes, um, it is bactericidal. It is sporicidal. Um, and there is a slow release of the free iodine. So it's, you know, it does degrade, but at a slower rate um, than ethanol does. Um, some of the cons are, though, what we found is there's a relatively long contact time required. Um, and if it's not diluted properly, it is actually quite ineffective or, you know, cited to be quite ineffective. And the mechanism of its kill is, you know, as far as we can tell, is still not fully understood. Yeah theory really yeah uh, one thing i like about ethanol as far as spray bottles go is that it's got this uh property where if you you know spray inside a butterfly valve with it it coats the inner surface of that really well whereas if you have a water-based thing like iodophore it kind of beads up and it always made me question whether or not i'm actually hitting the entire surface like i want what was your initial hypothesis here when you got started with these experiments i was just gonna put my faith in uh, Palmer's statement that, um, you know, the iodophore would have a two minute contact time for, you know, organisms that are of interest to brewers. And um, I, I also thought that I had a hunch that alcohol might sanitize a little faster, but I wasn't clear how long it would take. Yeah. I was looking at kind of the manufacturer's recommendations and um, saying, you know, at the working concentration, um, basically that they will perform as, you know, as advertised or, or better. So tell us about your first experiment. So I was actually, um, you know, in the middle of a microbiology class at the time, and uh, we adapted it from, you know, basic, you know, micro 101 course, uh, where um, we would take a number of sanitizers, um, create them, you know, freshly prepared at working concentration. And then we would take, you know, a number of organisms and we would inoculate these sanitizers with the organism. And after a certain amount of time, we would then um, do uh, plate streaks. So just a simple streak on Petri dishes. And those Petri, Petri dishes were divided up into four quadrants. So we had a control streak where um, the uh, microbes were not exposed to any sanitizer. And then in each quadrant, it was associated with a time frame. So our first experiment was was relatively quick. We went, um, we let the organisms sit for 15, 45, and 90 seconds. So here we're looking at that, um, you know, up to this two-minute contact time, but not quite. So 90 seconds was something we thought uh, wasn't quite arbitrary. We were thinking, you know, as a shift brewer, we're out on the floor. I don't have time necessarily to, you know, spray a perlic, spray a connection and wait for two minutes all the time. We're, we have other things to do. You know, we have beer to move and all sure. that kind of stuff. There's so. probably going to be somebody yelling at you if they see you standing there all the time for, for two minutes <laughs> at a time, right? Right, sure, exactly. What are you doing right now? I'm just waiting for contact time. <laughs> right. And so we were kind of thinking, okay, 90 seconds seems, you know, uh, on the on the far end to be, to be reasonable. And that's... Um, you know, pretty simple design for that experiment and just wanted to see what would happen. Did you mention which bugs we used? Oh, no. So, yeah, we, we chose um, um, 
So first of all, we chose lactobacillus. So this is, you know, pretty obvious one in the brewing industry. Doesn't need much explanation. Um, Pretenomyces, um, it's another one, wild yeast. And part of the reason why we chose these two organisms in particular um, was one is a prokaryote and one is a eukaryote. So what we found is, you know, a lot of these sanitizers, they have, you know, different requirements for different organisms. So we really wanted to get a good genetic spectrum. So we also chose um, uh, a brewing yeast, our Belgian, our Belgian yeast, and also a um, um, species of Saccharomyces diastaticus as well, which has you know, been in the news quite a bit and um, can be quite uh, a threat for breweries. Yeah. Walk us through those results. What you, would you see? Yeah, so we found some... It's pretty interesting. Um, so for each of the concentrations, so we chose um, for um, for alcohols, we chose isopropanol and ethanol. Uh, we use when you say ethanol, are you talking about like Everclear or what? What, what do you mean? We're talking about uh, laboratory grade okay. ethanol. All right. So um, although you know we didn't use Everclear, but I suspect it would have very similar results. That's an interesting one. So um, well, you know. We also, we chose 100% ethanol and a 70% dilution as well. What we found is between the two, there, there was no difference. Within 15 seconds, none of the organisms showed any growth. But what we found for iodophore, um, which is interesting, and here um, we were titrating, you know, freshly prepared up to uh, 25 ppm, uh, which is, the, you know, the recommended uh, concentration for to be considered a no rinse sanitizer by the FDA. Right. And what we found was we found growth at we um, at fifteen forty five and ninety seconds. So we were able to overwhelm the sanitizer. Wow. Uh, in this particular case, that was the big surprise to me. Yeah, we we were surprised uh, to say to say the least. Coming up, different microorganisms have you know different resilience to different chemicals as well. We can adjust our contact time for the worst case scenario. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. This episode is brought to you by. ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Western New York meets at Railhead Brewing July 11th. District Northern California meets at Admiral Maltings in Alameda July 19th. District Pittsburgh tours City Brewing in Latrobe July 21st. Don't miss the brewery safety webinar July 25th. District St. Paul, Minneapolis joins forces again with the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild for the 5th Annual Business and Technical Conference July 27th in Duluth. The District Milwaukee Summer Picnic is July 28th at Capitol Brewery in Middleton. The Diastaticus Detection Methods and Control Measures webinar is August 1st. District Philly holds its summer meeting at the Pennsylvania Sam Adams Brewery August 3rd. The annual District Texas Summer Meeting is the weekend of August 3rd in Kerrville. The 
The ASBC MBAA Brewing Summit takes place in San Diego this August. Register at mbaa.com where you can also view the full calendar of events with more details or find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Now, for this particular experiment, we didn't do um, quantification. You know, so we didn't quantify and see if used per mil, what survived and what what didn't. Um, but what we did find was pretty interesting. If you you know, looking at some of these pictures, you can see. Um, throughout time, there is less growth on the plates. Yeah, and I wish listeners could see the photos from your presentation, and I'll mention where they can be found at the end of the episode, but why don't you explain your method for streaking an inoculation a, a little bit more you know, visually, because it's, I think it's pretty cool. Sure. So uh, what we do is we, we grew these microorganisms up to um, you know, do a very healthy concentration, something you'd see like in a, in a propagation. So they're very, very concentrated. Um, if you were to encounter them in this concentration in your brewery, it would be worst case scenario. Um, and so we had nine milliliters of, of the freshly prepared sanitizer and using a pipette, you know, sterile pipette, sterile technique, we moved one milliliter of organism into, into that tube of sanitizer. And then with um, just a, just a, a loop, um, we would take, uh, you know, invert the, the sample, take our loop, and do just a single line in each quadrant. Um, and we were looking for go, no go. Um, at Bell's and most, you know, imagine most breweries, we have a zero tolerance for these organisms. So the, the big take home from that first round was just that the, the iota for it hadn't killed any of those four bugs within a 90 second window. So in round two of our experiments, we extended that window out to about eight minutes. And we found the same result. So we, we still don't know how long it takes iota 4 to kill. Because uh, we've only gone to an eight-minute window. At 25. At 25 parts per million. I okay. apologize. And, and yeah. what, what was, as you went to set up the second experiment, you know, sort of what was your hypothesis there? What did you, what did you set out to do kind of in your, in your round two? I think at that time when we were about to get into round two, I was still thinking... You know, we only did a 90 second window and I was, you know, I was kind of predicting it would work within two minutes. So I kind of stuck with my two minute hypothesis that this would work. So I was particularly shocked when it continued to, uh, you know, not not clear all the bugs out of solution out to eight minutes. That was at 25 parts per million. You know, if we increase the concentration of the aisle from 25 up to 50 or 75, it did kill faster and we were able to get. Uh, clean plates in the two-minute window, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, our goal for round two is now we just want to see it work. So we are going to up contact time, and we are going to up concentration as well to try and find the correct window. And what was that window? We were able to to show that um, iota-4 at certain concentrations is effective. So at 50 ppm for lactobacillus, um, we did see growth at two minutes, but after five minutes, we saw no more growth of microorganisms at 50 ppm. At 75 ppm, we saw no growth even after two minutes. So we were able to correlate um, concentration and contact time to efficacy here. Um, what's interesting, and I really like this part of the results, is um, 
for the Saccharomyces diastaticus, um, for the eukaryote, it actually took longer prior to four to, to, um, to affect these organisms. Um, it took between five and eight minutes. So we saw growth at five minutes, but none at eight minutes. So not only were we able to correlate kind of this known um, concentration, contact time, and you know, sort of show that in a repeatable way, but we were also able to show that different microorganisms have you know different resilience to different chemicals as well and we don't fully understand the you know the implications of that but what we do know is we can adjust our contact time for the worst case scenario has this resulted in any kind of you know major sop changes at the brewery yeah and there's probably a few more to do in the future but um, based on the results from those first two uh, rounds of experiments we we took the iota for spray bottles and, and swapped them back out for ethanol spray bottles right away. The, the one thing that's the, the jury's out for us is we still do use iota for to spin our rack rigs and we tend to spin for about 20 minutes and because we've only explored out to an eight minute contact time, we're still not sure if a 20 minute window uh, you know, a 20 minute spin with iodophore is sufficient to call your rack rig sanitized. I'd like to think so, but I haven't proven that yet. Right. We also, um, we didn't, so in the second experiment, we, we did focus on ethanol and iodophore. Um, there's a lot of interest in parasitic acid as well. Um, parasitic acid is um, seems to be more effective than I order for. We don't know for sure. We haven't carried out those experiments yet, but um, we do tend to lean towards parasitic acid for um, so uh, some of the processes where there's more risk. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And it seems like a lot of the industry has transitioned to parasitic, you know, away from iota for over many years. So, uh, so I guess is that what's next for you guys? Is kind of really digging more into parasitic acid? I think so. Yeah, we there's a lot to learn still on parasitic. Uh, still a lot to learn about iodophore as well. Yeah, we're also interested in uh, some stability as well. So um, one of the reasons why people like iodophore is it does hold. You know, it is fairly stable. We do know that it degrades, but we don't know exactly how quickly um, it degrades and how that compares to parasitic acid. Uh, one of the lingering questions um, I think that we have as well is once you've sanitized a loop or a tank, it is always best practice to you know, sanitize. Yeah, sanitize and use it. Exactly. Right. Um, but that's not always the case in a production setting. Something can happen. Um, and the question that is always in people's minds is what is this window before we have to re-sanitize? So, yeah. You know, um, if, you, if you spin a tank, how long, what's your window before you got to re-spin it? You know, if you spin a rack rig, how long can it stay packed and be considered sanitized before you got to spin it again? These things all depend on the stability of these sanitizers and we have very little experience with you know, how stable they are. I took one bucket of iota four. I think it was at 25 parts per million, and I just titrated it over the course of almost two days, about a day and a half. And it's uh, the parts per million of active ingredient cut in half over that time. To me, that's pretty stable. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you'd want to use your rig fast, but you know, if it's got to sit packed, it looks like you've got some tolerance there. 
Right. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure you know storage conditions have a, are a factor there as yep. as are some other stuff too. I thought it was really cool that you also included photos that showed the color of iota four at twenty five fifty and seventy five ppm. I mean seventy five is pretty dark, isn't it? Yeah, it's right at that point where, you know, if you're taking really strong iodophore and you're slowly adding water, it's initially very cloudy. You know, you have that like metallic cloud to it. And as it makes that transition from uh, being cloudy to clear, where you can actually see your brush, the bottom of the bucket, that's about 75 parts per million. So that's one of the nice practical advantages to using iodophore is you can kind of visually titrate it roughly. Right. And so, you know, that is another exactly that's you know people love iota 4 for that reason as well um we still and definitely stand by um we need to titrate our chemical before we use it because we need to we need to validate that we're reaching you know the correct concentration um because otherwise then the contact time changes drastically so i think one of the biggest take-homes for me in this whole experience was that when when this thing came up in the brewery where we were playing with our sanitizers and I went home and dug into the literature, um, I feel like a large majority of what we understand in the brewing industry about the sanitizers we use is based on data that's derived from the medical industry and uh, you know, human pathogens. And so one of the big aha moments for me was to ask the question, is it safe to assume that what might work in a hospital to sanitize uh, you know, an operating room was that equally effective at sanitizing my my cellar, you know, and in those critical areas, and that, and through these experiments, I confirmed that no, I don't believe that is a safe assumption. So I, I think we as an industry have a lot to learn, you know, to be sure about what we're doing with these sanitizers, and I'm happy to have gotten a glimpse into that now. Yeah, and I would like to add that I think this experiment's quite easy to carry out um, and, and follow, um, and so. Definitely recommend um, that anyone who's interested in this, and especially other sanitizers that we haven't covered or you know, haven't gotten to, to go ahead and give it a shot and find out what you know what works for you. Um, whether you know taking into account contact time, cost, all of these things, um, you know, play into what chemicals you purchase. But um, for peace of mind, I think this is a nice experiment to run. was Josh Pullman and Elliot Parcells here on the Master Brewers podcast. This work was presented during the 2017 Master Brewers Conference in Atlanta, which means you can view the slides with all the great pictures when you download the conference proceedings from mbaa.com store. I'm really looking forward to the ASBC MBAA Brewing Summit coming up this August in San Diego. It only happens every four years, and it's not like any other conference you've attended. The Brewing Summit is 100% the science and technology of brewing. No pep rallies or business lectures, and you'll be surrounded by some of the smartest men and women in our industry. If you can only attend one conference in 2018, this should be it. Register now at mbaa.com. When we came around there. Since there's that one thing that I should have told you